Hello and welcome to this message from the room. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the Go ahead and turn with me this morning. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to pick up with verse 11 today. Um, as you're turning there, Easter is coming up this next week. We're looking forward, of course, to celebrating uh, Easter together, and uh, it's such an important time and a wonderful time, and it's an opportunity for you to invite friends, family, neighbors, uh, everybody's looking to go somewhere on Easter, and so uh, they might as well come here. And uh, we would love for you to target some people, let God kind of lead you in that, and uh, find some people to invite and, and just in, uh, encourage them to come with you next week. Uh, didn't Miss April do a good job last week? Amen, amen. What a great message she brought. Uh, I just feel like you guys are pretty lucky to have her. That's, that's my opinion, but uh, uh, she agrees. Amen. <laughs> Uh, we're continuing our series this morning, Overcoming in an Overwhelming World. Our series text is found in Romans 8, verse 37. says, Yet in all these things, all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Uh, we have been walking through Ephesians um, and discovering really what Paul uh, lays out for us as a manual for thriving in a hostile world. I don't know if you know this or not, but we're living in a hostile world. And as a Christian, the world has a great deal of hostility towards you uh, this morning. But Paul has laid out for us, thousand years ago, a manual for how to overcome, how to live, the, the tools that we need to overcome. And so, uh, so far as we've been journeying through this, we've uh, focused on two key things that Paul's talked about so far from chapter 1. Of Ephesians, he says that the first thing is that we need to know and understand that uh, we've been chosen by God, and if we've been chosen by God, there is no way we can fail. Did you hear me? I said, if you've been chosen by God and you understand that, then there's no way you can fail. Everything in your life is ultimately going to work out for your good. That's the promise of God, and that's what we stand on. Paul says that that perspective right there frees you a lot. Just, just, just gives you this ability to understand that I may be going through some temporary seasons, but I've been chosen by God, and if I'm His, that He's going to work it out. I've got hope, I've got a future, I've got a plan, I've got blessing, I've got supply, I've got everything that I need to get me through to the other side. The second thing Paul says that we've looked at so far is he says you've got to have some spiritual sight. Is my mic hot? It feels hot this morning. Okay, all right. I just don't want to be blowing anybody's eardrums out this morning. He says, you've got to have spiritual sight. Spiritual sight is wisdom, knowledge, and understanding all coming together to give us a spiritual perspective. You know, a lot of what we're going to talk about, what we've been talking about, is about perspective. It's about seeing correctly. It's about seeing with God's eyes. It's about understanding the way that He wants us to understand so we can really receive and see all the blessings and all the things that God is trying to do for us, through us, and in us. Spiritual sight helps us to see our world with hope. It helps us to understand our value to God. It helps us to recognize the power of God at work in our lives. Uh, 
It helps us to see that we've already attained the ultimate victory in Jesus Christ. Listen to me this morning, and I guarantee you this is the truth. That no matter where you are right now, your better days are ahead. I guarantee you that's true. I promise you that your better days are ahead. Pastor, you mean to tell me that my better days are going to happen here in the next whatever? No, I can't promise you when. But I can promise you this, that your better days are ahead. They may not even happen on this side of glory. But there's coming a day when we're going to step over to the other side. And I promise you, the Scripture tells us that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can know. Nobody can even begin to fathom what God has prepared for those who love Him. So our better days are ahead. That ought to make us happy. That ought to make us full of hope and anticipation for the good things to come. Now today I just want to pull just a little bit of an audible on you. I'm not going to jump straight into chapter 2. We've finished chapter 1 of Ephesians. And today I'm going to jump to the middle of chapter 2 and start with verse 10 or verse 11. Excuse me. And then next week I'm going to come back and pick up verses 1 through 10. For Easter. So today in your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 is where we're going to start. What do you think the tool that Paul is going to reveal to us today uh, that is necessary for us overcoming in a hostile world? We're going to find today that Paul is talking to us about the church. Father, we thank you for the church. We thank you, God, that you are in this room. And for the next few minutes, God, you're going to give us ears to hear you. You're going to give us good ground in which we can plant the soil uh, or the seed of, uh, of your word in our hearts. God, it's going to be received. It's going to be producing good things. Father, it has the power to transform us. And Lord, we want to be transformed. Amen. We ask that you would do that in this place right now. You speak in this room and we will hear in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to pose a question to you this morning. I want you to just think about it. And uh, not answer. But before I do that, let me give you this stat. Uh, statistics tell us right now that spiritual hunger is at an all-time high in America while church attendance is in drastic decline. I want you to think about that stat. It tells us that spiritual hunger, the hunger for more of God, the hunger for spiritual things is at an all-time high while at the same time people are moving away at a rapid pace from institutional religion and leaving the church. So in other words, people love Jesus but aren't crazy about church. They want a relationship with God, but they don't necessarily see the church as an integral or necessary part of that process. Now let me ask you the question. And I want you just again, I want you to think about it, don't answer. Do you believe that you can be a very good Christian without attending church. Think about it. Do you believe that you can be a good, mature, healthy Christian without attending church? I'm going to let you ponder that for just a second. When asked that question, 81% of the people polled said yes. But I'm telling you this morning, Paul would disagree with that wholeheartedly. And we're going to see that as he lays out this great mystery called the church. That Paul says this is the reason Jesus came. This is the reason Christ died. This is the reason that God did all that he was doing was to build the church and bring you into it. 
to create a new covenant, a new place where we could be under one banner under the name of Jesus Christ. Look, look, look at verse 11. Therefore remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision, but what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Jesus Christ... You who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in His flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in Himself one new man from these two, thus making peace." And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross. If you are underlining in your Bible, you need to underline verse 16. It is a key part of what we're talking about today. And it is a key understanding that you need to get in your spirit. And that he might reconcile. Who is he? Jesus might reconcile everyone to God in one body. That key word there, in one body. Through the cross, thereby putting death to the enmity, the separation. And he came and preached to you who were afar off and to those who were near. Why did he come and preach to us who are afar off and those who are near? Why did he do that? Back to verse 16, that he might reconcile them both to God in one body. He came and preached. He came and died. He came and gave His life. Why? So that we could be under one canopy in one house and we could be a part of what He calls the church. The first point I want to make to you this morning is the church is God's plan. The church is God's plan. It always has been and it always will be. Verse 11 and 12 says, He, re he says, Remember once there was a time when you were alienated. Every one of us needs to understand and come to grips with the reality that no matter how good we were, no matter how good we were raised, no matter where we started off our lives, every one of us were separated from God. And it was Jesus Christ's grace that brought us into His family. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. We haven't done anything that would merit us having it. No, no, no. It was a free gift given to us by Jesus Christ. We were all separated. We were all alienated. We were all separated from His provision and presence. We had no hope and was without God. But all of that has changed now because He brought us out. Jesus brought us out to bring us in. And He says, now the church is my covenant people. The church is my people that is a part of my extension of myself in this earth. In Old Testament, to be separated from Israel, you got to understand this. To be separated from Israel was to be separated from God. What was happening in the physical in the Old Testament now has moved to the spiritual in the New Testament. you got to get that to really understand the con context of, of Scripture. What was happening physically in the Old Testament was a foreshadowing of what would happen eventually in the spiritual in the New Testament. And so this new Israel, the church, is being formed. Look at verse 13 and 14. But now in Christ Jesus you were once far off, having been brought near. For He Himself is our peace, and He has broken down the middle wall of separation. In the temple, in the Old Testament temple, there was a 
The Jews had this wall. It was the wall of separation. It kept any Gentiles from from coming into the temple. It was a place of boundary. It was a place of limits. It was a place that said, you're not part of this this nation. You're, 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 You're outside. But God says in this scripture, Jesus came and He broke down the middle wall of separation. No longer is there any barrier for anybody who wants to come close to Christ has the opportunity to do so. He made a way. He made a way for you. He made a way for me. He made a way for those that, that come from a struggling background. He made a way for the addict. He made a way for the person that was, that was in a mess. He made a way for the, 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 the person that was wrecked in, in every way of their life. God made a way for every one of us. That wall's been broken down. The church was God's plan. And listen, I want you to listen to me really good right now. The world is a mess. We know this. We have politicians, we have media, we have people of influence screaming at the top of their lungs all the things that separate us. We've never probably been in a, in a more divided place in our nation than we are right now. Certainly not in our lifetimes. And everything is screaming, separate, separate, divide. You ought to hate him because of his race. You ought to despise her because she has what you don't. You can't trust them because they're this color or that color. All of that rhetoric is designed to keep us apart and keep us separated. Designed to divide and create barriers of bitterness and animosity. Designed to build walls between us. Now can I ask you, does that sound like God's plan or does that sound like the enemy's plan? God said, look, I've got a plan for all of that. I've got an answer for all of that. It is the church, and I'm sending Christ to destroy and eliminate the walls of separation. Church, you've got to hear this. You've got to see yourself as Christ's first. And if you see yourself as Christ's first, everything else lines up. Everything else will align. Galatians 3.28 says this, There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither neither slave nor free. There's neither male or female. There's neither black or white. There's neither rich or poor. There's neither right way, wrong way. There's none of those things. He says you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you're Christ, then you are Abraham's seeds and heirs according to the promise. God eradicates all of those differences that keeps us from being in unity. And it all centers under the canopy of Of what he calls the church. Church was God's plan. Can I just say to you too. If you spend all your time focused on the things that make us different. Rather than the things that make us the same. You're focused on the wrong things. God did not bring us out to keep us out. He brought us out so that he could bring us into his family. If you have hate in your heart for anybody. or You you are not, not a part of God's kingdom. He didn't die for black people or white people or men or women or rich people or poor people. He died for humanity. Amen. He died for humanity. That's who He died for. And no one person is is privileged to receive more of the kingdom than anybody else. That matters because every one of us, and we have to understand this, we were all on the outside until Jesus brought us in and gave us a seat at His table. And that seat at His table on this earth is called the church. 
I'm telling you, we know this. The church ain't perfect. Amen. You should say amen to that. <laughs> if, you've been a, if you've been a part of the church very long, you know that's true. Right? She isn't perfect. She isn't pretty at times. But it's God's plan for the earth. And I'm saying to every person in, in, its, in this room, it is time to make God's plan a priority in our lives. Make church a priority in your life. God says, I'm giving you a tool to overcome in a hostile world. And one of those tools is the church of the living God. Utilize it. You want to fix division in this country? God's plan for that and is and will always be the church. Focusing on Christ's rescue of all humanity is the key to our unity. What we find in His salvation should supersede any point of separation. Because His salvation is the great unifier. Jesus is the great unifier. Our salvation by Jesus Christ and our being seated at His table should override any preference. It should override every ethnicity. It should override any socioeconomic status, etc. On and on and on. All of that should fall aside in light of Him and His rescue of us. There's one race, human. There's one problem, sin. There's one solution, Jesus. And there's one hope, and that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I'll say that again. There is one race, that's human. There is one problem, that's sin. There's one solution, that's Jesus. And there is one hope, and that is the resurrection power of Jesus Christ working in your life and my life. You want to fix the problems that we've got in this earth? We've got to come back to the house of God and allow Jesus to be Lord over every situation. Amen. So I want to drop this bomb to you this morning in this room, and that is this, that there's no such thing as a mature Christian who's not deeply connected to the church. I said there is no such thing as a mature Christian who is not deeply connected to the church because the church was God's plan, and there is no plan B. You want to overcome and have an overcoming lifestyle, it's going to require maturity. It's going to require community. It's going to require intentionality. And it's going to require some tenacity. And all of those things are coming to you through God's plan, the church. I'm just going to say amen to myself this morning. Amen, Pastor. Truth, whether we like it or not. Truth, whether we want to receive it or not. Truth, whether it makes a, a dime's bit of difference in our life or not. It's still truth. Verse 18 goes on to say, For through Him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. But fellow citizens with what? With saints, with others, and members of the household of God. That means membership requires commitment. Membership requires responsibility. Membership carries with it some weight. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself, who? Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple to the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. The second point today is you've got to stay connected to the church. The church was God's plan, and you've got to stay connected to it. Well, pastor, I kind of have my own church. I kind of do my own worship. Uh, I kind of, uh, you know, I'm kind of doing my own thing. I'm just saying this. If you're doing your own church, you're probably doing your own God. 
If you're doing your own church, you're probably doing your own God. It's, you know, I kind of like things this way. Well, I kind of like God this way too. I do not believe that we can say we love Jesus and not connect ourselves to His plan and design, which is the church. It is His body of believers coming together to worship. Do you see this morning in the passage that all that comes, all the things that come from your connection to His church, look at it. It says, no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with saints and members of the household of God. You're part of something special. You're part of a community. It says it's being fitted together. It's being built into something special. It's being built into the bride. I'm going to build you up and then present you to myself. Having been built on a foundation of apostles and prophets. Look, you've been given a legacy here. It's not just about the day-to-day. It's about the generations of people that have gone before you. We have what we have this morning, not because of all the things that we've done, but because of the history that we are building on over and over again. There are people that have died so that you could be in this place this morning. There are people that have fought so you could be in this house this morning. And we can't just lay those things aside. That has to mean something and carry some weight on our lives. Amen. There's a legacy here. Jesus Christ, the biggest part of the legacy is the chief cornerstone. Your life being built on this unwavering foundation when you're a part of the church. I see people all the time that used to be in church, should be in church, and they say the same thing. Well, Pastor, we've just been busy. We know, we've, we've got a lot going on. What? What? My, what? My question is what? What do you have going on? What? What, what are you saying right now? It's just not a priority. That's what you really mean. That I would rather spend my time in things that are temporary than spend my time in things, sowing into things that are eternal. And so let me ask you this morning. I'm not mad, I promise. I love you. I'm trying to give you some good stuff here. What are you building your life on? It's a question we ought to be asking ourselves. What are we building our lives on? Is it on Christ or is it on something else? Because I think if you make church optional long enough, you'll, pro- you'll probably end up making Christ optional. I said if you make church optional long enough, you'll end up making Christ optional too. The difference is we would just never admit that. Verse 21, being fitted together, growing into a holy temple in the Lord. Maturity is another thing that we get from being a part of the community. Maturity comes through the church. Maturity comes through community. Dear God, yes. But pastor, the church has a lot of problems. The church has a lot of issues. The church has people in it. Yeah. The good, the bad, and the ugly. I've been in church all my life. I'm telling you, I can give you the, the good... I can give you the bad and I can give you the downright ugly. But you know what that does? That builds maturity in your life. It teaches us. 
It's not fun sometimes. It's not, it's not enjoyable sometimes. Going through difficulties with people, learning to get along, learning to overcome uh, divisions and, and struggles and, and, and differences of opinions, all of those things, that's part of the church life. And, and I don't like that part of the church life, but you know what it does? It makes mature Christians. It builds people. Everybody needs somebody in their life that is an antagonist. Because antagonists make you better. We don't like them. We don't appreciate them sometimes. But they are making us better. They're making us better. Maturity. It says, verse 22, being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. The church is a place where we grow into the vessels that house the very presence of God. We're talking about spirituality comes from being in the church. So you got to be connected to His church. Maturity, community, legacy, spirituality, all of those things are connected to the church. And we're going to lack those things if we neglect the church. Christendom is full of surface Christians who wouldn't know the voice of God if He was screaming in their ear. We don't know the voice of God over the voice of deception. Why? Because the connection is not there. we got to get connected to the church, stay connected to the church. Paul says it would help you overcome in this world. So let me ask you just about three questions as we close out this morning. First of all, Pastor, how, how involved should we be in church? That's a good question. I think you should be involved in church at the extent you want God to be at work in your life. You should be involved in church at the extent you want God to work in your life. The church is how God works in the earth. Each member houses a special function of the Spirit of God. The head accomplishes its purposes through the body. The church is the body of Christ. In reality, I don't believe that we have any right to ask God to work in us if we refuse to stay connected to Him. He is the church. He is the church. And if we want God to work in our lives, it starts by being a part of that. The second question I want to ask is, what does a healthy church look like? Paul tells us that a healthy church is diverse. It accepts and welcomes people from every creed, background, race, ethnicity, all of those things. Economic classes. I think that what is miraculous is when our unity shows over our diversity. We need diversity. I love diversity. I, I think it's interesting to see different cultures merging together, different backgrounds merging together, people that have come from different walks of life coming together. But that should be encapsulated by unity. When we are united around our great love for our Savior and our pursuit of Him in holiness, we are healthy. The third question, what kind of things will a healthy church be engaged with on the outside? We have to see ourselves as God's extension on the earth because that's what we are. And so I want to answer this question with asking a question. What would Jesus be doing in Burt Burnett? What would Jesus be doing in Wichita Falls or Iowa Park or Grandfield or Randallette? What would God be doing? What would Jesus be doing in those places? What do our cities and our citizens need from us that we can offer? I challenge you to make that a matter of prayer because we need to figure that out and get busy doing it. We are the church. You are the church. And you are God's plan for the world. 
Caleb, would you come this morning? Stand with me across this room, please. I said, we are the church. You're the church. You are, and you're God's plan for the world. What if we believe the only way people in our communities are ever going to see or hear the gospel is through us? What would change? How would we move forward? Scripture's clear that we were strangers and someone brought us in. What responsibility does that lay to bear on our lives now? What are we going to do about it? The church is God's plan and we've got to stay connected to it. So I'm encouraging you this morning, get enlisted, get engaged, get empowered. Ephesians 3 8 says to me, who am, who am less than the least of the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created in all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now, look at this, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers of heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Jesus Christ our Lord that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church there is no plan B the church is God's plan and I'm encouraging you to stay connected get connected stay connected to God's church every head bowed and every eye closed across this room this morning I want to give two altar calls today the first one is simply this that if you're not part of the church I'm talking about the church of the living God and you come to be a part of the church through a relationship with Jesus Christ he died he was buried and he rose again so that you could be reconciled to God through his work and sacrifice Scripture tells us in Revelation 3.20 that behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. So Jesus is standing at the door of your heart today and he's knocking. And he leaves the option for you to reject him or to receive him. That's your decision. I promise you, he wants you. I don't know where you've come from. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what's going on in your life right now today even but I promise you that Jesus wants you just where you are right now and he is waiting for you just to simply open that door and receive him how do I do that pastor I do that by simply calling upon the name of the Lord he says whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved whoever 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 calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so if you're in this place, nobody's looking around, every head bowed and every eye is closed. And if you're here and you say, I need Jesus in my life. I need to surrender my heart to Him. I need to make Him a priority. Would you just simply raise your hand up right where you are and put it right back down. And say, that's me. I need to give my life to Jesus. Amen. Amen. There's others in this place today. Say, I need to make that commitment been trying to play by my own rules I've been trying to walk my own way I've been trying to make a God in my own image but today I want to make sure that I surrender myself to the to the Savior of the world come on there's people in this room you know you need to give your life to Jesus this morning 
You simply acknowledge that today by just raising your hand in this place. That's me, Pastor. That's me. I need to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to pray over you this morning, and I'm going to ask you as I pray that you just simply call upon Jesus. Say, God, save me. God, God, restore me. God, bring me into your family today. Father, we thank you that you have given us a place at your table. But it's up to us to come to you, to sit at it, to receive this wonderful gift that you've given us. Your scripture tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It goes on to say in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We thank you for that. We thank you that, Father, even though the wages of our sin is death and destruction, that, God, you made a way that brought us into life. You are the way, the truth, and the life. You have come to give us life and to give it to us in abundance. And Father, today, Lord, across this room, those that have signified that they need you by raising their hand this morning, God, I simply ask that you would just hear their cry as they call out to you, as they invite you into their heart, as they open that door. Father, I know that you are going to apply the blood of Jesus to the doorpost of their life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for receiving them. Thank you for making a way for them, God. Thank you for bringing them into their family. Lord, I thank you that, God, old things now are passed away. Old things are passed away. My old life is not here anymore. I've got a new life in Jesus Christ. Father, help us to walk in that newness this morning of life. We thank you. My second altar call I want to give today is simply this. I'm calling for you to make a fresh commitment to the house of God. I'm calling on you to make being a part of God's church a priority. And I'm not going to ask for any kind of response. It's just simply between you and God. And I'm asking you this morning that as I pray this prayer, will you make a fresh commitment to be a part of His church? Father, I praise you, God, for the church. This wonderful mystery that Paul talks about in these verses, God, that has been revealed. The church that is making known to the world the manifold wisdom of God. We thank you that we get to be a part of that church. We thank you that we are being fitted and made into the body of Christ. We are houses of the very presence and person of Jesus. Lord, we want to make a fresh commitment this morning. God, that we will be faithful. We will make it a priority. We understand that we're not islands unto ourselves, but, Father, we're a part of a community, and that community brings us maturity. It brings us spirituality. It brings us a legacy. It brings us so many things that we can't get on our own. Isolation was never your plan. It was never your way. There's no life there. There's no connection there. There's nothing that empowers us there, Father. It is through the body of Christ that we receive the wisdom. Father, I thank you that you are working to fill this place with people who are hungry for you. Now, saints of God, help me pray as I pray this prayer this morning. God, we believe that there is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that is approaching us on the horizon. We believe that there is a fresh move of God that is coming to this generation. Father, we believe that, God, there is a stirring in the Spirit this morning that is moving people to a place of actively and hungrily seeking after you. 
Father, I pray that, God, you stir up some good things in our life. Pray that with me. God, stir some things up in me. Stir some passion in me. Stir some drive in me. Stir some motivation in me. Stir the plan of God up in my life. Stir a hunger for me, God, to seek after you. God, we need more of you this morning. God, nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. We need the presence of Jesus. Father, how can we carry your presence to this city? to the surrounding region, to Burbrunan and Wichita Falls and Iowa Park and Grandfield and Rendlett and all the other cities in our area. Father, what are you asking us, your church, to do? Give us the wisdom. Give us the plan. Reveal to us your activity, Father, and let us be a part of it. And we ask these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We would love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you would like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street, Burkrenet, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river.